0: Before we start today's video, I want to let you guys know that we've opened our next launch of The Standard, which is a community of high-performing men who work together to unlock their full potential physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. So go to TheAffluentStandard.com, via the link below, and let's get started with today's video.
1: Because we're all meant to inspire and have fulfillment significance, but it takes work. And that's the hard path, the difficult path, because people will laugh at you. Like, who are you? To, to, to create this podcast and this YouTube channel and impact people like you can't do that. I remember you in high school, man, you were shy. You were awkward. You were this, you were that. And if you buy into that bullshit story that they tell you, yeah. you go, yeah, you know what? Maybe they're right. But I've decided that I'm going to start rewriting my story. Mm. Like what happened to me? I'm going to stop talking about and telling because if I keep talking and telling my sad story, yeah, then in life, I look for evidence to reinforce it. That's true. Right.
0: Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back. I am beyond excited about this upcoming individual who's going to bless the show with his wisdom. You see, one of the biggest things that has helped me personally get to where I am in life is sitting down, listening to men who are smarter than me, who are where I want to be physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. And so one of the themes that I'm always talking about is reverse engineer your life and find men who are already there and then learn from them, be able to sit down and take in their wisdom to apply it to your life. This gentleman is somebody who I look to and I'm saying, I want to be where he's at. So I sit down and I learn from him and I'm constantly blessed. Bias content. So I hope that you guys enjoy him as much as I am. So without further ado, welcome to the show, the one and only, Pedros A Hafiz, thank you so much brother, appreciate brother, you. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, thank you. Um, To me, in today's world, I've seen two camps, generally speaking, rise. I've seen the camp of individuals who like to belittle men, mm-hmm. who like to emasculate men, who like to shame men, who like to, as they say, pacify men, mm-hmm. um, and then you see guys who like to exploit men, take advantage of their pain, their hurting, their frustration, manipulate them, manipulate the rage on the inside, and it's been extremely unfortunate. But in the midst of that, there's men who are men of value, men of character, men of integrity, who are now giving men tangible wisdom that can be able to improve their lives, not only their lives, but their families' lives. So I just want to tell you, thank you so much for being one of those thank men to you. be able to bless us on the show today. That means a lot to me. I appreciate that. So I know who you are. So for the audience who don't know who you are, can you give us a bit of an elevator pitch and about who you are? Sure. The, the,
1: be- the best way to explain to your audience who I am is I'm, I'm the Cinderella man. And mm. I say Cinderella man because I was born in a communist country, the Soviet Union, when I was six years old in 1980. Uh, and my dad was a member of the Communist Party, we escaped the Soviet Union. He knew that if we stayed there, that his kids would not have the opportunities, the freedoms that he wanted for us. And he was willing to potentially risk his life because if we got caught escaping the Soviet Union, that's it, he's dead. Mm. And so we we escaped into, the, into Italy. We stayed 10 days in Italy, went to the American consult and legally entered the United States by uh, advocating that we are pro-freedom pro-democracy anti-communism and uh, that we are escaping the socialist republic of the soviet union so all this to say that i come to the united states and we're broke we're poor and i'll explain the difference in just a second mm. about broke and poor people goes into the same thing broke is when you don't have money yeah. poor is a state of mind there's a mm. poverty state of mind that i know a lot of wealthy people who are constantly worried that they're going to lose their money, Mm. right? So they're not broke, but they have a poverty state of mind. So we were poor, we were broke because we had a poverty state of of mind and we had no money, didn't understand the culture, didn't speak the language, lived in Section 8 housing. Um, You know, my parents did the best they could, family of five, I was the smallest one. Uh, My dad had found a dumpster in the back of a grocery store Mm. and they would throw out food that had expired and had... Uh, but it was still edible. Yeah. So he would put me, lift me into the dumpster and I'd fish out food that we could eat and survive. The first few months were that way. But I shared this with you because the United States gave us the freedom and the opportunities for me now to grow, grow up. I'm 48 years old. Uh, my companies do 200 million dollars a year. I've got seven different companies uh, from fitness franchising to supplements to software to apparel to uh, a men's personal development program and I think that's where you and yes. I jive the best yes, yes, sir. because yes, sir. I feel called to serve men and mm-hmm. the reason is I had a very rough childhood in Armenia which I'm sure we'll get into. And things didn't get much better when you come here and you're a foreigner, you're an immigrant. They tell you to go back to your own fucking country because mm. you don't belong here. Your parents are taking away our good American jobs. And I was thinking my, my, my dad pumps gas and he delivers newspaper, mm. right? Like what, what, what is he taking away? Mm. But all this to say that the resiliency and uh, the resourcefulness that, that was required of us to, to make it in this country is what I ended up using in my life To make it as an entrepreneur and Mm. now be able to pour into other men and teach them how to win their sovereignty and freedom Yeah, that's
0: really powerful. I think What I love about so many immigrants is that it's so easy for immigrants to take the victim mentality sure uh, Because you have been victimized right what you guys experience in the Soviet Union Was being victimized by an oppressive regime, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of my friends are also um, refugees who left war torn countries. You know, one of my mentors from afar, Patrick Bet David, refugee from Iran, you know, so they were victimized in this country, uh, Mm -hmm. in their countries. But then when they come to America, that mentality leaves on the boat or plane, whatever they arrived in, and then they embrace the victor mindset. And and what I hear from you is that you you are a man who embodies and has embraced that Victor mindset, but obviously you didn't get it overnight, right? So so I can only imagine you know being raised. I believe it was in the seventies when you were kind of being raised in, in the seventies eighties in, in, in the in the
1: eighties. Yeah, I was 80s. born in seventy four, so okay. it was really in the eighties that I started to kind of become aware of what's happening. Yeah,
0: so being raised in the 80s in America, very politically, you know, incorrect climate, being an immigrant, a lot of nasty things, Mm -hmm. you know, trust me, I was raised in the 90s, so I heard the the latter half of them. And so to me, I'm very curious, high school years, when you're beginning to formulate who you are, how did you not embrace a victim mentality in your experience, and then what led you to embrace a strong mentality that you have today? Good, good question. And so th- the best
1: way I can describe this to you, Hafisa, is uh, th- there's a Chinese bamboo plant. They say that when you plant it, this bamboo tree, for something like three or four years, nothing happens above the soil. Mm. You water it, you tend to it, you clear out the weeds so that it can have the opportunity to grow, you give it sun, and then all of a sudden, in year number three or four, it will grow 30 feet in that one year. Wow. And so the way I look at it is, I realized that the adversity, the suffering, the discrimination that me and my family went through as immigrants, it was like that seed of that Chinese bamboo plant where the, the lessons were being instilled, but I hadn't let go of my victim mindset yet. Mm. I'm gonna be very honest with you. I hadn't let go. I had a chip on my shoulder, man. Like. When you're a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, you see your parents being discriminated against. You see, you know, give you a great example. My sister, who was older than me, she worked as a waitress at a pizza joint. The owner of the pizza joint was very handsy with her, was, Mm. you know, was very suggestive with her. And she would come home crying. And my dad would tell her, look, we need the money. Just keep working. Mm. Just do the best you can. And I would hear that. And I would develop so much rage, but as a young kid, what can you do? Right? Yeah. So I did adopt a victim mindset in the beginning that this country sucks. The people in here, here are very mean to us. If you're not one of them, if you're not white and, and if you're not, if you don't speak English and you don't fall in line with them, if you're different and you stand out like we do, you get the short end of the stick. What ended up happening though, is even though all those lessons were being instilled of just pay your dues, of resiliency, of be relentless and keep working. Gratitude. My dad was grateful every morning for his paper route, for pumping gas. Uh, work, he worked at the same pizzeria at the night shift as the busboy mm. that my sister did. And I share all this with you because I would hear that part too, that he's grateful. I'm like, man, he never complains about his work. Yeah. And so as I made it through elementary school, junior high with, with anger, rage and the victim mindset, right around high school, I realized that I could do something. And the one thing I could do is impact myself, my physiology, my physique. And as all young men, Mm -hmm. we tend to find a woman attractive. And there was this young girl named, um, oh, what was her name? I forget her name now. Her name escapes me. But I wanted to take her to the prom. And so I asked this guy in my class, science class. He was fit and jacked Mm because he was on the football team. I'm like, dude, I'm fat. I'm overweight. Because by the way, when you take the victim mindset, you also... Disregard your body. Mm, Like anyone that's got a victim mindset is also overweight, anxious, depressed, sick and tired all the time. And that was me throughout my high school career too. But towards the end of my high school career, as I wanted to ask this young lady to the prom, I asked Dave, who's who's an athlete on the football team, I said, how do I get in shape like you? And he helped, he took me to the gym, he taught me how to eat, and I lost 35 pounds, came back senior year with more confidence, higher self-esteem, higher self-worth, I never asked her to the prom. Her name was Nakaya. Mm. I never asked Nakaya to the prom. <laughs> but, bro, I had such a high level of confidence yeah. that all of a sudden I became the victor. Mm. And now I could use those skill sets that I learned from my dad of gratitude, of resiliency, of being relentless, of being resourceful. Yeah. Like, there was one time when I was a kid, we lived in Section 8 housing, which is government-assisted housing. The apartment we moved into was so filthy, bro, I got lice the first night. Mm. And my mom and dad, we couldn't afford life treatment from the drugstore. So my mom had my dad siphon out gasoline from a parked car and she wow. washed my hair with gasoline. Wow! And at that time I felt bad. I was like, man, neighborhood kids are gonna find out and they're gonna laugh at me more. It just yeah. gives them another reason to laugh at me. So yeah. It was a very victim mindset. Mm-hmm. I realized that was Victor mindset because what my parents did, they got resourceful. When they didn't have the resources to help their child they got resourceful and got gasoline and fixed the lice problem. Mm. Maybe not the best way. We shouldn't all go around washing our kids (laughs) with gas, but it worked, right? And so it was right after high school, man, that everything clicked. When my body got in shape, my attitude shifted, my mindset shifted,
0: and I just felt like a rocket ship, like that bamboo plant just growing. Mm. Yeah, No, that's that's powerful. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because um, what I've always learned is that life will give... Each man this major obstacle. Mm-hmm. And then behind the obstacle is a fork in the road. Right? Yes. And it's like you can you get to choose right which path you want to take. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you going to let this obstacle now become your identity? I'm a loser. You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Right? Or are you going to overcome the obstacle and embrace that new identity? I'm victorious. I, I am a great man. I, I can accomplish great things. And so it's just very fascinating how you were able to hit that obstacle yeah. and and pick the higher road. But unfortunately, majors, if we're honest, most men don't choose the higher road. True. You're right. In your opinion, why is it so easy, and why do so many men pick to take the, the victim mindset when they're going through that difficulty and obstacle in life?
1: Yeah, and, and you gave such a beautiful metaphor. You're right. There is a, most men, and several times throughout our lives, and women, I suppose, all it's the human condition. Yes, sir. You will experience a significant life event several times, a loss of a family member, and then maybe a bankruptcy, and maybe a divorce, and maybe some other crisis that's just a human experience you know uh, it was norman vincent peel who said only one type of person has no problems dead people <laughs> dead people have no problems yeah right everything is like a constant the rest yeah. of us we are going to have significant life events and when you have a significant life event on the other side of it is a fork in the road so you're asking why do most people choose that path of being a victim because it's the path of least resistance mm. all of all elements, all technology, everything, electricity, will take the path of least resistance. And it takes a very strong mindset to say that I will not go around telling everybody, because look how easy it is if I go around telling everybody, hey Hafiz, you know, in Armenia, I was molested as a kid, and um, that, that messed me up, man, I feel unlovable, I felt broken, I felt ashamed. Then we came to America, then I was beat up and bullied by gang members and and moved around so many times that I went to three elementary schools, two junior highs. And if I keep telling everybody my victim story, because you're going to give me sympathy, Mm. right? Like, oh, Beatrice, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, man, that sucks. Well, that feels good. So I'm going to tell the next guy the story, the next Mm. guy the story. That is the path of least resistance. But I also have to realize I'm no longer in Armenia getting molested. Mm -hmm. I am no longer getting beat up and bullied. I have the opportunity now in this great country to observe who is doing well and who I want to be like, and then take that path. It is a harder path to take control of Yourself, your mindset, your thoughts, your emotions, basically self mastery, mm-hmm. right? Gosh, it's easier to complain, it's easier to cry, it's easier to just have an emotional tantrum and get attention, mm-hmm. but what if I can take control of my thoughts, emotions, attitude, actions, deeds, and begin to have self mastery, master the human animal. Mm-hmm. In other words, the heart and the mind, if I can master that mm-hmm. then I can make money, I can create sovereignty, I can change my physique, I can be a good husband, I can be a good father, Mm. I could be a good friend, I could be a great community member, and then I can have a greater impact on society. Mm. We all want to inspire, we all want to have significance and fulfillment. Like that's the human journey is finding your purpose. How are you going to have fulfillment and significance? How are you going to inspire? That's the only question to ask, because we're all meant to inspire and have fulfillment significance, but it takes work. And that's the hard path, the difficult path, because people will laugh at you. Like, who are you to, to, to create this podcast and this YouTube channel and impact people? Like you can't do that. I remember you in high school, man, you were shy. You were awkward. You were this, you were that. And if you buy into that bullshit story that they tell you, you go, yeah, you know what? Maybe they're right. But I've decided that I'm going to start rewriting my story. Mm. Like what happened to me? I'm going to stop talking about and telling. Because if I keep talking and telling my sad story, yeah. then in life, I look for evidence to reinforce it. That's true. Right? Uh, one young man who I have mentored, he's a, he's a black kid, and I've mentored him since he was 10. His dad went to prison. Um, his mom was a personal training client of mine when I became a personal trainer. Uh, his name is Layton. And he was around 10 years old. I'd hang out with him at the park when his mom would bring him to my boot camp. Like afterwards, I'd hang out with them, talk to him, whatever. As he grew up, now he's 26 years old, married two kids, has his own business and works with me. Yeah. And I was telling him, Leighton, you had every reason to go down a path of being a thug, a gangbanger or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Dad's in prison, black kids, society doesn't like you, whatever, but you chose to attach yourself to a mentor. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I chose to attach myself to a mentor. My first mentor, he was a personal training client of mine. So after I lost the weight senior year of high school, dude, I decided I'm going to be a personal trainer. I want to help more people transform their bodies, their hearts, and their minds. Mm. And so I had four personal training clients in the first year that I started working as a personal trainer in a gym. And so one of them, his name is Jim Franco. He started to mentor me. Mm. And I saw that I could be like him. Like he's no different than me. He's Mm. a millionaire. He drives different cars. I like that. And I started to reverse engineer what you say, reverse engineer his lifestyle. How is it that he can come and work out three times a week with a personal trainer, anytime he wants, like whatever time of the day he wants. Mm -hmm. He must have really great freedom and flexibility. Wow, I see in the parking lot, he has three, four different cars he shows up with every week. I want that. Yeah. I see he's always happy, and he seems to know a lot of people. He's connected, I want that. Mm. And so I started asking him questions in between our workouts. Next thing you know, he's dropping hints. And they always say, success leaves clues. Mm. And then when you're around successful people, you will pick up the clues and you will begin to emulate and model them. Yeah,
0: no, that's 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 so powerful. So um, how old were you when you met that gentleman? Hmm. Graduated high school
1: at 18 got certified as a personal trainer at 19 so I was probably 20 21 years
0: old. Okay. Yeah, I was a young man. Yeah. So that that story is so powerful because one of the things my business partner Joseph always talks about is exposure. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times you do not believe because you do not see. Unfortunately, we we live in that world, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, in the purest ways we have faith without seeing. Right. Yeah. Blessed is those who believe without seeing. But unfortunately, we need to see to believe. Sure. And so the beauty about having mentors like the ones that you had is he's able to show you um, a world that you never thought was possible for yourself. And so what was that process like in in regards to when you found this guy and he was exactly where you wanted to be? Um, was it, was it easy to get time with him? Was it difficult? Was he open? Was he reserved? Like what was that experience like? Good question. Um, man, and this
1: is so important is to find mentors who believe in you Mm. and he, he believed in me before I believed in myself. So Mm -hmm. I told you I had four personal training clients and he was one of them. Mm -hmm. You can imagine you can't live in Southern California Mm -hmm. with four, personal training. So I also had a job at Disneyland working at one of the restaurants there as a fry cook. And then on weekends, I was a, I was a bouncer at a, at a gay bar because the gay bar paid more than this. (laughs) Uh, And so one day he asked me, it was a Monday morning. He said, he called me kid. He was 60 some odd years old. I was 21, 22. He goes, kid, why are you, why are you so tired on a Monday morning? I was like, Jim, I literally went to sleep three hours ago and here I am five in the morning training you. Yeah. Like, He goes, why did you go to sleep so late? I'm a bouncer at a bar because I don't have enough personal training clients. And he goes, you're such a good personal trainer. You have such great personality and you like, I look forward to coming and working with you. No one had ever spoken to me this way, telling me how great I am, how awesome I am, how like what my attributes are that he enjoyed, right? That he paid for. Mm -hmm. He goes, why don't you have more clients? I go, people tell me they're broke. They can't afford personal training. Personal Mm training is not cheap. He goes, you know what? you're an order taker, you're not a closer. That's what your problem is. Mm. If you were closing people, if you knew how to sell, overcome objections, ask for the deal, you would have more personal training clients and you can quit your two other side jobs. Mm. So he believed in me out the gate, number one. And then he started giving me time. Like after each workout, he would hang out 10, 15 minutes. If I didn't have another client, which I typically didn't because I only had four clients. (laughs) He'd hang out 10, 15 minutes and pour into me. Mm. I got smart and I said, all right, said, hey, Jim, if I give you a fourth session every week, so the fourth one is on me, you're not paying for it, can I ask you questions about being an entrepreneur? Because I don't think I want to work for people the rest of my life. I think I want to be like you. I want to have my own business. He goes, sure. So I picked up that this guy is someone that I need more exposure to. Mm-hmm. I picked up that proximity is powerful. I could read a million books, but that's just information. Yeah. As you said, seeing is believing. Yeah. So I started asking him. How is it that you have multiple cars? Like, dude, I had a belief system that if you have one car, you're lucky because mm-hmm. that's where we came from. Yeah, yeah, You know, I came from a little village in Armenia and we had more goats than transportation. Mm. So that's my belief system. That's yeah. what I saw. And then when we came to America, we had one beat up car for the whole family. Yeah. This man has four or five different cars that he would show up with classic cars, new cars, SUVs, sports cars. And my, my belief system was broken when he said... When you add enough value to people's lives and you solve enough problems Mm -hmm. in exchange for money, Mm -hmm. you can have as many cars, as many homes, you can fly first class. I was like, I can't fly first class. (laughs) And so he helped me break beliefs during that fourth personal training session every week. I would ask questions, he would answer them. I would ask for advice, he'd give it. Before long, he saw that I was serious about owning my own business. And he said, I would like to be your business partner. and Mm. and fund you the money, give you the money, to be your business partner and opening up your own personal training studio. Mm. So the first man who believed in me and that I was smart enough to ask questions, right, to extract value from him, loaned me the money to open up my first personal training gym. Mm. today
0: we have over 600 locations worldwide, bro. Wow! Like how
1: crazy is that?
0: Man, no, there's so many layers and there's so many directions that we can go into um because i think to me somebody once asked me and they say why do you tell the guys in your community the standard why do you tell them that you love them why do you tell them that you love them and and i told him i said there's so many men who are who are so angry right now pedros because a man has never told them they loved him their their entire lives No father, no grandpa, no uncle, no older brothers. Yep. No one has ever put their arm around them and said, I believe in you. And they're and they're and they're walking with so much anger and rage and resentment and bitterness at the world. Because as men, you know, we're, we're pack animals. Mm-hmm. We need that. We need that affection. And so to me, that's my desire. And what I realized is that for so much issues in society. You can go back to the source, especially the men in prison, where there wasn't a man that put this arm around him to believe in him. Exactly. And so to me, to hear how by God's blessing, you were able to find that man who Mm. believed in you. Because my story is very similar. 2019, um, doing the podcast for about three or four years, got fired from my two jobs and had to move back home. Um, one of the guys I interviewed, his name is Stefan Labossier, interviewed him in 2018. He loved the content, he loved the quality of, of what I did. And he said, Hey, I, I'm going on tour. I want to bring you with me. I want you to be my videographer. And to me, I was like, I've never been on tour, never traveled the country. I'm like, oh wow, I would love to do that. And and that experience of of going to LA and to New York and all these ma- different cities and and seeing what he was doing and he was op- always kind enough to open his books mm-hmm. and show me how much money is possible when you bring value. Ugh, bring that's value. when you said that right. man, when you said the ones who know me know how how much I believe in that that yeah. that yeah. bringing value value. Um somebody once said wealth is God's gift to a man for his service to humanity perfectly said and and so hearing hearing all these things from you it it means the world to me that you were able to experience I was able to experience as well but my question is that uh, not every guy is as blessed as we are to be able to find an older man that put his arm around them what would you say to that younger man who who never had that who yearns for that what would you say he can do to potentially find those individuals in this life? Or what are some ways that you can help him in regards to his struggles with not having that male um, validation? There's two things I can tell that
1: young man, uh, because you're right. Sounds like you also had a older mentor. Yes. Who served you. Right. And who showed you the way, who believed in you and, and seeing his believing. You see his books, you're like, holy smokes. Well, if one man can do it, I can do it. Yes. nothing special about him. And I remember thinking of that about Jim Franco because what I don't share often about Jim Franco, uh, my mentor, he had a lazy eye, <laughs> you know? And so he was charismatic and everything, but he had a lazy eye and he had a bit of a limp when he walked. You know, I don't know if he had a knee injury or a hip injury before I met him or whatever. He had a bit of a limp. And so it wasn't like You know, the millionaire you see on TV, right? Debonair, well-dressed, like handsome guy. I was like, all right, well, gee, he looks like a regular guy who is living a very irregular life and is so happy. Mm. That made it possible for me. It was like Roger Bannister, the Mm. guy that broke the four-minute mile, right? As soon as he broke the four-minute mile... Uh, 1,600 other people have broken the four-minute mile since. Yeah. Previous to that, everyone thought it's impossible. Yeah, Your you body will die.
0: Will Your heart yeah. will explode. Right, <laughs> exactly. So
1: you had a mentor. I had a mentor. But a young man who doesn't have that older gentleman to put his arm around him and say, I believe in you. You have what it takes, and I love you. Mm. That's what a man, a young man wants to hear. That I believe in you, that you have what it takes, Mm. and that I love you. Mm. And this isn't just me quoting this. This is from John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. Beautiful book. Amazing book, right? And in the absence of a man, a young man hearing that from his father, from an older brother, an uncle, a mentor, he will walk around, John Eldridge says, with a hole in his heart, Mm. the size of the Grand Canyon. Always wondering, do I have what it takes? And am I respected and loved by my fellow man? Mm. Because what you said, we are pack animals. Yes. Like if, you, if God forbid something happened here right now, you and I would need to try and figure out how to work through the problem, mm-hmm. right? Like we'd have to figure that out. Anyway, so all this, if a young man doesn't have that person directly in their life, guess what? Put yourself in a position where you can have it. If you're having an event, like let's say you're having a standard live event, mm-hmm. Come to it. I've got many events, the Squire program, the project. I run masterminds and workshops and I speak all over the country for other people's events. Like show up to events. Mm. Don't just hide behind your iPhone. Don't just hide behind that YouTube screen. Don't just hide behind your whatever and think that, well, I watched his content. It's enough. Mm. What if someone put themselves around you, demonstrated some value, and then you're like, hey, you know what? Come here. Yeah. Work work with me for a year. Mm. I told you about Leighton, that young man who I'm mentoring, that I've mentored for so many years. Yeah. Um, I said, Leighton, and I've, I hired him four months ago. You've got your own business, but it's not making you enough money. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hire you for one year because mm. he's, like he's like a son to me. I'm going to hire you for one year. And his mom, who was my personal training client, was like, you know, can you tell him to go get a job? She texted me all. Her name is Toy can you tell him toy he he's meant to be an entrepreneur yeah he just needs to pay his dues Mm. and as a mom i get it she's seeing her young boy who's got a wife and two kids like barely making it every month right and so she knows that i'm this like fatherly figure to him long story short i said you're going to work with me for a whole year Mm. because just coming and seeing me once a month for 30 minutes is not enough you're going to work for me you're going to add value i'm going to pay you but after 12 months you're gone Mm that you, this is like you're getting a paid PhD. And so think about how many young men can come and work for someone like you, someone like me, someone like Pat, but David, mm-hmm. uh, and, and get paid to learn and be in proximity of a powerful man who will pour into you. And so that's step number one. If you can do that, go do it. If you can't go to a live event, a seminar or whatever, like pay to be within proximity, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of life is a pay to play game. Yeah. And, and the third step is, if you don't have that, become the man that yeah. you want in your life. Become the man that you idealize that you want and didn't have in your life. Because if you don't, then what, what's it all for? You're just gonna suffer in silence the rest mm. of your life. Mm. Know that you're meant for something greater, a higher purpose, but be stuck to the system. Let the, let the opposition drain you of your human energy and just put you to work
0: and tax you and then you die. Yeah. What a sad life. Yeah. No, uh, you, made, you made a point. That um I think it's a a, a very lost concept in, in today's society where you said you have to pay to play. Yeah. And um the payment is a sacrifice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um with without sacrifice there is no great blessings, you know. You see that in the story of the gospels. And and to me, I think one of the things I think is lost in today's world of instant gratification is that a lot of individuals don't want to sacrifice. Right. They they believe that okay, like, I want a Bedros to mentor me. You should, Bedros should DM me. And be hey, I love you so much. Hey, I want you to come do this for me. I'm gonna give you X, Y, Z. They believe that, yeah. like, the world's supposed to give them. Yeah. They don't believe they're supposed to go out of their way and sacrifice, pay the costs to pay the dues as you alluded to at the beginning. Mm-hmm. What is causing so many people to have that mindset? Where they, they're so consumed with instant gratification that any idea of sacrifice is repulsive to them.
1: Yeah, you nailed it instant gratification and entitlement. Mm. Brother, we live in a time with a super high level of entitlement and instant gratification. And I'm gonna tell you why. Life has never been more convenient yeah. and comfortable. Yeah. Right? Here sitting on, on, on your couch, I could order, I could find the best burrito joint order a burrito or a burger, have it modified exactly like I want, and then watch it on my iPhone come to me. Mm. And then sit here and go, ah, bro, can you believe it? They're stuck on the intersection. (laughs) There must be traffic. Like, (laughs) whatever happened to getting in your car, getting dressed, getting in your car, combing your hair, Mm. going and talking to a human, putting in your order, coming back for your food. Like that, the modern day version of hunting is at least go out and get your food. (laughs) The fact that people have gotten so lazy, so sloth-like, so undisciplined that Mm. they could just sit on their couch, wake up, come sit on their couch, order their food, uh, get some kind of dopamine hit through social media or Mm. video games, Mm. right? Instead of working out. Mm. So it used to be you go work out or you go meet a friend, you have a good, meaningful conversation with the friend and you go, man, we had a good conversation. I feel good about this. People don't even do that because they just text with their friends and the friend sends them a picture or emoji or whatever. And so everything has become so convenient, so comfortable. We've become so entitled that it's just become this thing of, I expect easy. I expect everything to come easy. I expect you to DM me and say, Hey bro, you come to this event so I can love you and hug you and support you. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> bro, if you're not paying your dues, yeah. I'm so sorry. Like yeah. the best we can do is inspire through our words. Yeah. And then demonstrate through our actions mm. like how you live and how I live our demonstration and this content that we create for free mm. is inspiration beyond that you must sacrifice with money with time and with service mm. and if you're unwilling to do that, then maybe you deserve a mm. life of depression
0: and anxiety mm. that that is a very uncomfortable statement that you uttered but probably one of the truest statements on planet earth I've been thinking of, I was thinking about this concept and this is A very, can seem very rude concept, but I I respect you a lot. I feel like you can enjoy this conversation because I feel like most people might get triggered by it. When we think about the idea of the olden world and the idea of what humanity was like. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very barbaric times. You know, you think about the era in Europe with the bubonic plague. I think one third of the population perish. We think about how this disease, like smallpox would plague the land. Like like it, it was a very, you know, the the strongest survive kind of place. Yeah. So if, if you were a man, let's say a thousand, two thousand years ago, where you're in ancient, you know, Egypt, Nigeria, Ethiopia, Greece, you know, wherever, Roman China, times, Rome, wherever yeah. you're at and you couldn't go out and get your own, there was no supermarkets. You know, there was no, uh, there was no uh, government subsidized housing. Nope. If you couldn't go out into the world and take care of yourself, you would die. And there goes your genes with it. Yep. But in today's world, what I've noticed is that the society has allowed those men in all due respect who a thousand years ago wouldn't have made it to 18 years old. It has kind of nerf them to existence. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where before, if you couldn't go out and hunt with the tribe, you would they would watch you, they kick you out like a leper. Yeah. And you and you starve to death. Yeah. You know, and so so now I've seen that like a lot of these a lot of men who who in the past honestly wouldn't be here, they're here and they're and they're complaining. Yeah. And it's like while we don't want to see anyone die and perish we can't spoon feed, feed you forever. No. I know the government does it with the, with the, with, the, with and,
1: but you and, know why the government does? Go ahead, please. Because the government realizes that if they could just spoon, take money from everyone mm. and then spoon feed these people just to bare necessities, mm. they will work, pay their taxes, and keep bloating the government. When I mm. talk about the opposition, yeah. the opposition is big government. The opposition is big media that the government controls. Mm-hmm. And the opposition is big pharma that controls the media and the government. Mm. And whether you like it or not, you can call me a tinfoil, you can say that it's a conspiracy theory. Last year, big pharma made 1.7, is a trillion or billion dollars? Mm. I think it's trillion, mm-hmm. 1.7 trillion dollars. Not a dollar of it was spent on teaching good health, fitness, and mindset habits. Mm -hmm. It was by creating another drug that creates another side effect only so so you can take another drug to to fix that side effect. Mm. So if big pharma controls government and media and they want people to become workhorses to keep paying their taxes, you know, and if you're doing that, then they'll give you the bare minimum and they expect you to have the bare minimum work in a cubicle. I mean, think about how sad it is, man. You wake up in a little room mm. and then you go into a little car and you drive to your little cubicle where you work for someone else, building someone else's business, someone else's vision, someone else's dream, only to get back into a little box, to drive back to your little box, to be able to go back into your littler box and sleep. Mm. Like that's the human condition, Yeah. right? But they are willing to subsidize that Mm -hmm. tax you and tax me the people that have more Mm -hmm. to be able to keep them alive to be able to tax them even a little bit because they are the backbone Mm. of the country in terms of they provide the tax dollars when they decide that there's a war who are they sending to war the young men yeah the young men who are depressed and who are anxious and they go don't you want a sense of purpose don't you want to go fight for your country go fight and these young men go to fight a war that has nothing to do with terrorism, perhaps, and maybe has everything to do mm. with global mm. financial movement, Yeah. right? And again, I, I deviate there, but the reason this is happening, the opposition is pro-keeping humans, men especially, docile, weak, defamed, emasculated, is because they don't want men to stand up against them because they know, man, if, If a man is confident Mm -hmm. and he is financially free and he adopts your mindset, Mm -hmm. like you are the biggest threat to the opposition. I hope you know that. I am the biggest threat to the opposition because we are waking men up. Andrew Tate, as much as people might hate him or love him, he's a massive threat to the opposition Mm -hmm. because he's waking up young men of all ages. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, look, and you're saying the same thing stand up for yourself have your own core values set higher standards of expectations Mm -hmm. be willing to make more money have freedom and sovereignty surround yourself with a tribe of other like-minded men Mm -hmm. because one plus one is not two one plus one is ten Mm -hmm. like we together when we are dialed in to our universal consciousness or to god's gift whatever god's gift is to you and me if we are on purpose with that two men together have the power of ten And the opposition doesn't want that. They want you to stay addicted to sports and burgers and
0: social media and all this junk that keeps you broke, weak, and docile. Mm, So much to unpack. Let's go backwards. Let's start backwards. One of the things you talk about was sovereignty, financial independence. I think that's something that's really powerful with men. Um, But to me, I think one of the things is that with guys really understanding what does that take, right? So it's, it's one thing to have a business that's, you know, doing six figures, but what does it look like to have a business like yours that's doing, was it, eight or nine figures? Nine figures, yeah. Nine figures, I apologize. It didn't mean to rob no, me from no. a zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those zeros matter, bro. I worked hard for them. So, so I think I, I was told this, um, that one of the two biggest difficult changes, sorry, the, one of the two most difficult um Incomes to cross is from five to six and from six to seven. Yeah. Uh, We do a lot of content for guys crossing five to six. I want to stay away from that. As in five figures to six figures, six figures to seven figures. Yes, yes, yes. So my question to you is, how did you go from six figures to seven figures? I feel like a lot of guys in my community, that's where they're at. Yes. And they, and they want to get that sovereignty, that financial freedom that you speak about but they they, they don't really understand how to get from that six to that seven. So what are some things that you know had helped you cross from that six to seven figure mark? Yeah,
1: yeah. See, yeah, making that six figures is easy enough. You make $8,333 a month on a consistent basis, you're now making six figures, $100,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I ask people, I go, do you know what it takes on a monthly basis to make a million dollars? They go, no, I go $83,333. Like Mm -hmm. you got to know your metrics. So you take that $83,333 and 33 cents and you divide it by 30 days in a month. Mm -hmm. Because if you want sovereignty, you are going to have to go back to paying your dues, working on weekends, which is why 30 days and not 20 days, Mm. 30 days, right? Now you know what you need to make on a daily basis. And so if you're making six figures, it's so easy to get to seven figures. I'm going to blow everybody's mind right now. Please, You scale everything you're doing. If you're making 100 grand, you scale everything you're doing by a factor of 10. Mm. So if it's just you and me running this podcast, let's say, and let's say we're making 100 grand a year. Okay, cool. If we're making 100 grand a year, that's $88,333 a month, then maybe if I get a couple more guys, one guy buys traffic for us Mm -hmm. and one guy creates a patreon channel the other guy creates a community Mm -hmm. and we get another couple guys and we go hey man we want you to create a seminar Mm -hmm. where we can charge for people to come in and learn right from that seminar we send people into a mastermind where we can influence them three four times a year in person Mm -hmm. now we just scale that business model from a podcast and youtube show that makes a 100 grand a year let's say to a million Mm -hmm. and so scaling a business because if, if this is working, if I'm solving the problem of 10 people and making 100 grand a year, I just need to solve the problem of 100 people mm. and I'll make a million. Yeah. But the way you do that is I can't replicate myself. Mm. So that's where we need great leadership skills, great vision, Yeah. Right. daily mission. Mm-hmm. Can you divide that vision? Like for example, back in the day, people said uh, when I started Fit Body Bootcamp, my franchise, man, how big do you want this franchise to be? And I said, big as possible. And uh, when do you want it to be as big as possible? As soon as possible, right? It was big as possible, as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not a clear vision. Mm. And therefore, I was a horrible leader. And in the beginning, first two or three years of Fit Body Boot Camp, bro, I was in debt. It was like touch and go. I would gain a location, two, lose two. Gain mm. three locations, lose one, right? Mm. And I was like, this is frustrating. Yeah. When I realized that what's missing... For me to scale, I must become a great leader and a great visionary. Mm. And once I started working on my leadership skills, my ability to communicate, my ability to be emotionally disciplined, mm. my ability to build a high-performing team and not just employees. Employees yeah. clock in a little late, clock out a little early, do the bare minimum. The mm. team is focused on the mission and they want to win, yeah. right? That's good. And so as I develop my leadership skills... And i was clear on my vision i want 2500 locations by the year 2026. Mm. now we had a specific number by a specific date and we work on a daily mission to accomplish that yeah
0: man i think to me um five to six figures is about working harder yes You can't work hard from six to seven no you have to work smarter correct and what i love that you talk about because i've been reading a lot of books this year you know um traction the e-myth yes um everything that you're describing is that as a leader you have to you can't do it all on your own you know Mm -hmm. and i and i think that's why we're gonna the theme is consistent tribe as a man is so important yeah because you know there is no self-made financially sovereign man you can't you just can't earn that much money on your own unless you're unless you're even if you're a pirate you need you need a team you know what i mean like you still need a team you you know what i mean like that boat's not driving itself yeah exactly and so so to me i think that's something that a lot of men have to understand that you just can't do it alone yeah you know and i and i think somehow in society there's this i remember seeing there's a statue of the self-made man like this man i've building himself out of marble and so many men believe like I want to reach this financial freedom I got to do it on my own. How do men relinquish that ego um, of of feeling like they got to do it on their own in order to establish true wealth in this world? By understanding that acting as a lone wolf makes you a
1: liability Mm. not an asset. You become an asset when you have a tribe around you and I'll tell you like I am not self-made. I hate when people will interview me or something. They'll say he's a self-made millionaire. I had a vision. There's a team of 70 some odd people just in my headquarters. Never mind the people we have around the world. But there's a team of 70 some odd people at my headquarters daily working on a vision that I came up with that they keep refining and getting better and driving more traffic to and service and et cetera. And so, but the idea of man building myself sounds great. But right off the top of my head, I can think about all the different shoulders I'm standing on to be the man that I am. I started off with standing on the shoulders of Jim Franco, my Mm -hmm. personal training client. I paid him nothing other than gave him a free session a month right, or a week on top of the three he was doing. After that, the following names I paid Mm. to get their knowledge, their wisdom, their experience. Frank Kern, Dan Kennedy, Jay Abraham. Joe Polish, Dean Graciosi, Tony Robbins, Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Tracy, uh, Joel Marion, and the list goes on. The list goes on because these are all coaches and mentors from speaking coaches to writing coaches, to copy coaches, to funnel, to marketing, leadership. Cameron Harold, he -hmm. was the second in command for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. They're the mm. junk removal company. Yeah. So he was second in command. And I was like, man, well, that was a franchise. I yeah. have a franchise. Yeah. Just That's junk and this is fitness. But otherwise, yeah. I hired Cameron Herald for $60,000 for a year mm. to teach me everything he knew about building a franchise team. Yeah. Like, I am standing on the shoulders of all those giants. So good. I am not a self-made man. Yeah. None of
0: us are. Yeah. Man, this is so powerful. This is so freaking good. Whenever I meet... Very successful men such as yourself. Um, I I love the conversations because it's, it gets so redundant. It becomes like, oh, this is no longer theory. This is straight methodology. Yeah. And what you hear is this never-ending sense of sacrificing and pour, investing back into self. The names that you mentioned, you know, the Dan Kennedys of the world, the mm-hmm. Tony Robbins of the world. You know, these men don't come cheap. No, no they <laughs> you don't. Know, you know. But, but you have the vision to realize that though I'm doing well, I still need more. Mm-hmm. And that more will always cause a sacrifice for me. And what I've realized is so many guys that get to the point where they just wanna chill. Yeah. They're like, I'm done sacrificing. I have my sustainable job, earning you know, 150, 200, whatever it may be. I'm good, and they, but they split they They want to stop working, but they still want more results right right but right. what they don't realize is the men such as like the majors of the world who are constantly leveling up and constantly transforming are also constantly sacrificing and investing back into themselves. Why do you think so many men stop at a certain you know decent enough number because you're not you're not financially free making hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, but they at a decent enough number, but then they still intellectually want more while emotionally not willing to sacrifice
1: selfish yeah they're absolutely selfish Mm. the most selfish thing you can do is stop when you are doing well like Mm. i'm talking like upper middle class even if you're considered wealthy i think now in america uh, the government, the federal government, decided that if you're making $400,000 a year yeah. or more, you're considered the wealthy. Yeah. Grant Cardone said this just the other day on his Instagram, <laughs> uh, and I love him. He, he's, he's, <laughs> anyway, I was, well, was going to yeah. tell you a story that he told me about in his office, but we don't, we don't need to yeah, go down yeah, that yeah. path.
0: <laughs>
1: Here's the bottom line. If you're making 150, 200, 300, $400,000 a year and you're like, I'm good, man. I drive a nice car. I live in a nice part of town. I've got a nice little, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm investing in this and some index funds or some crypto or whatever. And so you think you're good. Yeah. That is the most selfish thing you can do because what happens if your mom and dad get dementia. Like my dad had a stroke recently, my mom's got dementia. Mm. I get them the best medical care. They have a Armenian live-in nurse with them 24 seven. They have a driver named Hugo who drives them around, Mm. right? They have the best experimental medication available to them. They're not gonna be in a convalescent home. Mm. They brought me to this country. What happens when a, a, a neighborhood fire takes down three or four homes and you're like, Oh, well, someone should do something about that. (laughs) If you made more than your $400,000 a year, you could be the person doing something. You could rebuild their house. You could give more to your church. You could give more to a charity. And it's the most selfish thing we can do when we go, I'm good. I'm good. Me and my family are good, bro. So hope everything works out for you. Mm. That is a selfish attitude. And the only people that really, truly are happy and fulfilled in life are the selfless servants Mm. who realize that I must be selfless. I must make more money. Let my cup overflow. give to Shriners Children's Hospital, Toys for Tots, Compassion International. We've got 97 kids. My wife and I adopted through Compassion International. Mm. My goal is a thousand kids, bro. Mm. How selfish would it be if I stopped at 97 kids? Because I'm like, it's almost 100. That's good. I want to have a thousand kids adopted through Compassion international so they can get clean water and food and education yeah but when we're selfish yeah. we just worry about us when you're selfless servant yeah. to humanity and all of life is about being a selfless servant mm. you feel more fulfilled you go to sleep with peace of mind you wake up ready to attack the day because you realize you're truly impacting humanity
0: man this is so good um somebody once said you can it was pastor mark driscoll he said You can use money, sorry, you can use people to get money or you can use money to serve people. And Hmm. I think sometimes so many people have it backwards when righteous men such as yourself talk about pursuing wealth. Because people think pursuing wealth means I am am robbing Peter to pay self. right? I'm robbing Paul right. to pay self, so more, so self can get more cars, right. so self can get more homes, so self can get more Rolexes, so self can get more toys um, to be able to gratify my selfish ego. What you're talking about is first, the righteous man builds wealth by servicing humanity, by actually adding value to the lives of the people and he wants more wealth because the, the more wealth he builds, the more he can help other people.
1: Sure. In this life, money is is important. And I don't care what people think, like, oh, 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 money's not the answer to everything. Money sure is the answer to most things. Yeah. Money is the answer to not having money. <laughs> and mon- having money is a very important thing to have in this life, <laughs> yes, right? Sir. My yes, good sir. looks aren't gonna get me a burrito. Yeah, 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 I yeah. need money. Yeah. You know, uh, you know I, I didn't just magically show up to your doorstep A a black Escalade drop me off and a black Escalade will pick me up because that's how I choose to travel. And when I leave a big tip for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because it's the holiday seasons and I want to be able to bless people by leaving them a 500% Mm. tip instead of just a 20% tip, right? I can do that because I have money. Mm. I can can do so much more good with Mm. money if I just project it outward and not just,
0: it's all for me. I love it. You mentioned your wife earlier and... One of the, the blessings that you read about in the, in the Bible is about the, the blessings of a good woman in the man's yes. life. Proverb talks about it. Um, unfortunately, in today's world, I see a lot of um, childish um, content creators who are trying to discourage men from marriage, from fatherhood. And these are some of the tenets that you strongly believe in. I believe in as mm-hmm. well so for some of these men who feel like Marriage and fatherhood is, is pointless and not beneficial to a man's life. What would you say to individuals like that? Uh, from your experience from all the men you've mentored from all the men that you've been, that mentored you about the benefits of, of marriage and fatherhood in the lives of men?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll state the facts because yeah. I'm not going to state my emotions and yeah. feelings, right? Yes. So I'll state facts because we're all logical humans here. The highest group of suicide are single men, 60 and above. Mm. They have the highest suicide rate. The reason for that is because they are alone. Mm. They are alone. And when they're alone, they have no life partner. Again, it goes back to what we said. We are tribe. We are community. And yeah. part of that community is to have a To have a spouse who supports you, who loves you, who respects you, who, 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 who just roots for you Mm. to go out and fight the saber tooth tiger and come back like with, with, with the spoils of that and to take care of the family and to be able to put a roof over your head. If you've got a roof over your head, but you don't have anyone telling you, I love you for that. I respect you for that. Thank you for doing that. I know what someone's thinking. Well, I have a different girl every day that's telling me that. Mm. Cool. But when you're 60. Yeah. When you're 50 and you're not as attractive, and you're not as jacked, and you're alone, and you're wondering, what is the best way to exit if you get my drift, Mm -hmm. right? Was it all worth it? Mm. Absolutely not, man. Happiness and fulfillment is health, is money, it's family, those three things. Mm. If I have my health and I have money, but I don't have anyone to share it with, Mm. experiences, I'm not a happy person. Like That's scientifically been proven. Mm. So if we know the science of happiness is health, Financial security and a family to be able to enjoy your health and financial security with and I don't have that family Kids to be able to mentor like every person again wants to inspire we went we talked about that We want to inspire we want to motivate we want to educate and you might say well I'll, I'll educate and motivate other people's kids cool, mm. but there's something magical about Taking your gene line mm. your genetics and setting them up to win even bigger than you did mm. Like I will mentor anybody who wants mentorship from me. But there's something magical about my son, Andrew, and my daughter, Chloe, that I will just die for, that I will just bleed for, that I will hemorrhage for. Mm. And you don't have that. If you don't have a wife, you don't have a child, you don't have the tools of legacy. And every man wants a legacy. And those two things are the foundation of legacy. Now, I will say that choosing Mm. the wrong spouse is the number one number one factor to a man's failure or success is who they choose as a spouse. Mm-hmm. This is an irrefutable fact. 100%. The number two factor is impulse control. Mm. If a man can control his impulses and be able to focus on his work instead of, you know, social media and vape pen and pornography and gambling and alcohol and food, mm-hmm. impulse control. And the third highest Indicator of success or failure is the thoughts that occupy your mind mm. So if you can marry a good woman if you can control your impulses and you can keep a positive mental attitude yeah. You set yourself
0: up to win. So I love what you said about legacy um, One of our core values in the standard is legacy We actually you know each year we have an award called the life-changing legacy award The man who's done the most work to improve his life that would change his family legacy forever um, I love everything that you said and 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 to me my dad is such an amazing father. He's really blessed me a lot. He, he would always, he has, he always would paste these motivational um, quotes on the, on the refrigerator. And, and, it, and one of the quotes is like, all these different things that lead to a happy life. Yep. And the first sentence was, the most important decision a man will make is whom he marries. Because mm. um, a woman can be your greatest blessing or your greatest burden. Absolutely. And so I think unfortunately what's happened in today's world, is so many men Because negativity sells in today's society, the stories of the burdens are what consumes everyone's minds. Right.
1: Because we all are excited. You know, the the news is filled with bad news. Yes. Right. We hear about whose house burnt down, who got robbed, who got mugged. Well, surely there was many children that were born healthy today. Surely a a firefighter saved a cat from a tree. How can Mm. we not hear about that? Yeah. Right. Because we are our reptilian mind mm. is designed to latch onto negativity. negativity. Yeah. So surely there's great women out there yeah. who are the backbone of the men who are serving humanity. Yeah. But you don't hear about that. You hear about the gold digging bitches who are blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And therefore I'm not gonna marry some gold digging bitch. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. But there's a good woman out there yeah. who's, who's willing to just 10X. She will amplify
0: your impact by blessing you, that's so powerful. What you said about the news—my major is broadcast journalism in college—but I'm never going to be one of those people who did a major in college thinks they're an expert. But one thing that we learned in, in college, I remember, they were talking about the, how to stack a news story. Um, the first thing you learn in college is if it bleeds, it leads, right? Mm-hmm. So the, obviously, the pain point, like I said, reptilian brain wants to survive. So we don't care about okay, which fruit is the most juiciest? No, which fruit is the most is the most poisonous? Right, survival, right, right. And so this news station in Minnesota said, you know what, the news is too negative. We wanna share only positive news. We wanna flip the cycle. Usually the cycle is, you know, let's say there's 10 news stories, nine negative and the last one is a puppy story, right? Yeah. Let's flip it. Nine positive and then that last one will be something negative you need to be aware of. Less than a year went bankrupt.
1: That's unfortunate. That that is the sad so- side of humanity, isn't it? Exactly it breaks my
0: heart. So so people, breaks my heart. People bro. want, unfortunately, in today's world, they yeah. want the negativity. But you're right; there is good in this world, and 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 my philosophy is: well, most people are unhealthy in today's society. That's that's the normal: overweight, obese, high blood pressure, diabetes. Most people are unhealthy. Do you want to be most people, or you want to be the exception? bingo most people are struggling financially living paycheck to paycheck you know eyes deep in debt do you want to be most people or do you want to be the exception and so same with marriage you can say whatever you want about whatever numbers that you personally believe is true but do you want to be the exception or do you want to be the rule right as a man who is the exception and you've been blessed with an amazing marriage what are some of the things that a young man should look for In a woman, a young man who wants to, you know, be a man of integrity, value, and leave a legacy. What are some things that this young man should look for in order to have a healthy long-term marriage?
1: Sure. Well, first off, this young man should have a solid set of core values. Mm. Like, I knew, moving to America, I spent a lot of my, my time in apartments by myself. My mom and dad, everybody was working. Older brother, older sister, everyone's working. So I knew that I never wanted my kids to... Raise themselves, Mm. and I never wanted them to see the inside of a daycare. Mm. So I have a lot of core values, but where a wife is concerned, those two were strong core values. That I wanted a wife who would allow raise my kids instead Mm. of letting the school system or daycare raise my kids or a babysitter, right? And then that I would never, that my kids would never have to see the inside of a daycare. Mm. And that doesn't mean, well, that means your wife wouldn't have to have a job because there's plenty of women who stay at home Mm -hmm. But their kids are still inside of a daycare, yeah. Because they want, I need the mental break for my kids. <laughs> That's not the woman I want, bro. <laughs>
0: That's
1: not the woman I want. Like, what are you doing? If, if I'm at work, if I'm at work, uh, now we preach it now, baby. Right? What are you doing? Yeah. Eating bonbons, watching, yeah. watching, watching Oprah or whatever, yeah. whatever like, soap, so or soap we, operas, yeah. Or, right? Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and so I knew what my core values were, yeah, 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 and yeah. so I found a woman like that, and I was like, I don't want a woman who, who, who who is going to be loud and obnoxious, mm. who's going to be a, a heavy drinker and who's going to want to twerk. And mm-hmm. Like, I knew what I was, you know, look, I worked in gyms, bro, yeah. in Southern California. Yeah. Lots of beautiful chicks. Yeah. And when you see them, you start seeing, oh, she's attention hungry. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is not loyal. She's She showed up with this guy at 8 a.m., for a workout, but she showed up at 3 p.m. with that guy, unless <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. what's happening, right? <laughs> yeah, you start yeah. seeing what's happening yeah, though, bro. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so
1: when you have core values, yeah. then you begin to go use that as a filter mm. to find the right woman. Mm. If you don't have core values, then you don't have, everything is, is negotiable. You're like, yeah. she's hot, so I want her, but she's also crazy. Mm. She's also disloyal. She also can't be trusted. Mm. She also insecure. So I wanted a secure woman. I said, I want a woman who's got an athletic background because I consider myself an athlete. Now, ever since I started losing weight, getting fit, I treat myself like an athlete. I want a woman with an athletic background because as I got athletic, my confidence went up, my self-worth went up. I want a woman with high self-worth, high confidence. So I got a woman who's a who was a volleyball player. Right? Who came from a small town in Washington state, who had the same core values as me, wanted to focus on raising our kids, which is probably the most important job. In my family, the most important job is pouring into our kids. Not what I do. Not the 200 million I make, bro. It's the two bazillion dollars that she invests in our kids. Holy smokes. This is good. Right? And and so when you don't have the core values and the non-negotiables, you're just going to go and attach your belly button to some hot chick Mm. who's going to end up being drama and, and as your dad said, be a burden uh, instead of a blessing on you. Man. At the same time, you have to be the kind of man yeah. who attracts that woman. Yeah. Cause that woman says, look, I'm gonna stay home. I'm gonna raise amazing kids. I'm gonna be a, a respectful and appreciative woman, but I never want to see my husband um, putting us in debt. Yeah. Like my wife knew that I will work yeah. to make sure we're never in debt, that we're never lacking. We'll always live in a safe part of town. If that part of town got bad, we'll move somewhere else like we will never lack. Yeah. So I had
0: to hold my end of the bargain as well. Mm. Man, you're you're preaching you're, you're preaching really 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 good stuff today, Bedros. Um, to me core values is huge. Um, one of the things that we do in the standard when a guy joins is we talk about identity, your I am statement. You know we talk about um, when Jesus began his public ministry before he began he got baptized and when he got baptized a voice said from heaven this is my beloved son whom I well pleased he had an identity he knew who he was before anything so as a man you need to know who you are yes and those core values are big because a man who stands for a man who stands for everything stands for nothing and if a man stands for nothing then what happens is you' you're, you're pushed to and fro by everybody in society because you have no you have no yeah. you become weight. a rudderless ship amen drifting through life and so what i realize is that the example i kind of give is that it's kind of like hiring an employee if you don't have core values as a company if you don't have a job description as a company you can't get mad when you're constantly having the worst employees And I've seen that so many men don't realize you stand for nothing. How do you expect the woman that comes into life to stand for values that you don't stand for yourself? So I love how you you began with you as a man. You need to have your core values. You need to have your principles, your ideas, what you personally stand for. How did you personally come about your core values? And what would you say was that um, besides you want a woman to be uh, a stay-at-home mother, which is ironically enough, the number one thing that was on my list as well, what would you say is another core value that, that you look for in a woman that you believe men should also look for that as well?
1: Yeah, so your y- your first question was, how did I develop, like how do I realize what I'm looking for, yes, right? Yes, yes. And so I'll answer that first, is I, and I think this was factory installed for me, Hafiz. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna be very honest with you, this is not something I developed, it was factory installed. But once I realized this, this trait was factory installed, I developed it more. I'm a very observant person. Mm. I'm very observant. And so I started observing everybody around me, men mm. and women. And I started, as I observed the men around me, I saw that some men were cautionary tales <laughs> and others were examples, mm. right? Like Jim Franco, who I love, man, he was my first mentor. He was my first business partner, yeah. right? He had gone to three marriages. Wow. So. I loved certain things about him. Mm-hmm. I didn't love how, in fact, his third wife, when I met her, yeah. I think our paths crossed in his office. I was in his office yeah. to talk to him. She was there to pick something up and he introduces her and they're still friendly, yeah, yeah. but um, I was like, wow, nice to meet you. So you were, you were married to Jim. That's, that's, that's crazy. She goes, I will never marry another man again. And she wasn't joking. Like Jim Franco was hard on women. Mm. He, we could just imagine yeah, 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 what he, yeah. how he lived his life. Yes. Right. Now, he may have reformed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But all this to say, as a younger man, yeah. he was hard on women. So I was like, that's a cautionary tale. Mm. I love the fact that he's got multiple cars. I love the fact that he's charitable. I love the fact that he he's takes so great care of employees. So of the, good. He, he, he's financially free. I don't love the fact that he's got three wives. Mm. I will not ask him for marital advice. Mm. At The same time I followed, as I watched men and observed men, I saw the men who would come to the gym with their wives, and they would work out together, and they would laugh together, and they would chuckle. I was like, I want that experience. Mm. That sounds cool. And so if you observe enough yeah. men, you will see every man ends up falling in one of two categories. An example to live by or a cautionary tale to
0: avoid. It's powerful. Yeah. That's so yeah. powerful. We forget to observe. Man, um, the reason why I love your content so much is, like I said, like there's just so many men. You, you Dr. Peterson, Patrick, Brad David. I just feel like you guys... like. Like, you're just, you're me in the future. (laughs) So I just, I'm just hearing so many things. I'm like, man, I was the same way because I, that's how I was raised too, right? Like, I, I looked and I said, okay, I examined, I said, man, like, I love this guy's, like, relationship with God. But I despise how poor he was. You know, mm-hmm. I don't believe those things are are married together. I They're don't. Not. I don't. I don't believe that's how God. I don't believe God wanted your children struggling to to eat every single day. Mm-hmm. If you're a, a man is really pursuing Him, so I would always look at and I would gain the good and the bad from others. And so, same with the marriages, I would see my friends who were like with very healthy marriages, and then. The ones who weren't, what I would even do is I would ask them. I would say, hey, man, like, like, in complete honesty, the ones who were divorced, i said, what were the things? Because you can also learn from cautionary tales, as you pointed out. And I would say, hey, what were some of the things that led to, you know, the situation that you were in today? So I I love that about you. I love how observant you were. I love how you're always learning and you're a lifelong learner and 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 I just believe that so many men you need your brothers, yeah. you need other men to learn from. um I was also introduced to you from your work with the project mm-hmm. and like I say, it reminded me so much of what we're doing with the standard because you're you're raising men in community, you're making men do things together um and and to me, everything that you're describing that made you who you were was the other man beside you. So for those that are not familiar with the project, can you share a little bit about sure. why you created it and what's going on with sure. with, with it? So really
1: the project is a, is a byproduct of several things. It's when I decided to evolve and grow up as a man, as a leader, as a husband, as a father, I realized that the, there's four pillars that really need to define me. Mm. And that is faith, family, fitness, and finances. This is beautiful. And when I say fitness cuz people always have to explain the fitness part. The other three are simple. Faith, family, and finances. But fitness is mental fitness, emotional fitness, now we're talking. and physical fitness. Now we're talking. You and I probably both know guys that are jacked and ripped and you're like, "Man, I want that guy's body." And then you spend enough time with them, you see how negative he is, how scarcity-minded he is, Mm. how emotionally reckless they are, and you go, I want nothing to do with
0: that guy. Oh, man, now we're talking. (laughs) Right? So when I realized
1: that there are four F-bombs, and that's what we call it at the project, faith, family, fitness, and finances, I said, I got to have all those dialed in. And when a man has their four F-bombs dialed in... To have the fifth F-bomb, which is what we're all looking for, fulfillment. Mm. fulfillment, happiness, peace of mind, significance, right? And so I said, all right, I'm, I want to create a brotherhood of men who are going to live by these core values of faith, family, fitness, and finance. These are men who are going to be givers, value adders. They're going to be supporting each other. They're going to come from all walks of life, and they are going to all pay a price like I did, because for me to become version 2.0 of myself... I started putting myself through these six-week challenges. Mm. I trained for six weeks with a, with a coach, hired a coach. I never ran before, bro, because you know, we, we create this big, stupid box, and we put ourselves in it. We go, I'm not made to be a runner. I'm a big guy. I'm supposed to be muscular. Uh, I'm not made to be I, – I, I can't read out loud really well because I'm a foreigner, and I came to this country, and then every time I'd have to read out loud, I'd get embarrassed. So I always, up until I read the audio of my book, Man mm. Up, that I wrote, I didn't wanna do that, I wanted to hire an expert and just say, here, you read my book. Yeah. But everyone, my followers were like, dude, you gotta read your own book. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. fuck, yeah. right, so I did. But I had the belief system that I'm not a good runner, I had the belief system that I'm afraid of heights, I had the belief system that I'm not a good dancer, I had the belief system I can't read out loud. Mm. And the more stuff we put in that box, the more our negative beliefs grow. Mm. And so I said, I'm gonna start taking things out. Yeah. I've always said I'm not a good runner, yet I've never tried running. I'm gonna hire a coach, Train me for six weeks. I'm going to go run the San Diego Marathon, 26.2 miles. And I did it. And then I said, I'm afraid of the ocean. I live in California, and I was afraid of the water, bro. I was afraid Mm -hmm. of drowning. I'm going to become an amazing surfer. Hired a, a surf coach. Train me for six weeks. I'm a pretty decent surfer now. I wow. love surfing. It gives That's me awesome. so. It's like active meditation for me. I was afraid of heights. Hired a, a climbing coach. Went to Joshua Tree in Southern California, and he taught me how to climb, rock climb, and belay myself, and all the gear. And now I get so much value from climbing. It's man. so relaxing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jiu Jitsu, yeah. right? I was like, ah, oh, you know, I can I can stand a fight. I don't know, I don't know, man. I don't want a sweaty man on me, choking me, this, yeah, that, and yeah. the other. All right, hire a, a jiu Jitsu coach, black belt, mm. six weeks, two hours at a time. I'm pretty damn good at jujitsu now, mm. right? Some things like dancing, I was like, oh, I'm not a good dancer, hire a dance instructor yeah. and learn to be a great dancer and take your wife salsa dancing, that's right? Awesome, like, awesome. So each six week thing ended with yeah. something. And so as I did that, challenges, physical challenges that were hard, that were exhausting, that, that created some injuries and got me hurt, mm. right? Uh, you could imagine each time you grow from that, when you've crossed the finish line, 26.2 miles, bro, you feel like you're on top of the world. Mm. All of a sudden, I became a better husband, a better father, a better entrepreneur. How does running bleed into that part of your life? It just does. Mm. And so I decided that we're going to create the project. It's going to be 75 hours long. I need a Navy SEAL for an instructor. I need a Marine for an instructor. I need an MMA fighter for an instructor. I need me for an instructor, mm. right? Because I'm going to teach the lifestyle, the business, the mindset, the, the personal discipline. The Navy SEAL and the Marine put them through hard challenges, uh, from hikes to ice baths to truck pulls to log PT, uh, things like that, for 75 hours. That is the price you pay, the sacrifice you make for mm. 75 hours each. So we have four classes a year. About 50 men go through a class at a time. You can quit anytime you want by ringing the bell and quitting. Mm-hmm. But the men who don't quit, they're part of the modern-day night. That's why it's MDK Project, modern-day night mm-hmm. brotherhood. Yeah. And we we get together three times a year. We are a community that serves and helps each other. We have financial planners, we have senators, we have actors in that. Uh, like it's, it's a brotherhood of men from all walks of life, mm-hmm. all vocations. And they all believe in faith, family, fitness, and finance. They've all paid the 75 hours of sacrifice to mm-hmm. go through that experience. Yeah. They understand that hardship is a part of life. Mm-hmm. And so when there's a meetup and you're from class 11 and I'm cla- from class 13, Bro, we know exactly what evolutions we've gone through. Dude, did you, did you, did you, the ice bath? How did you feel about the ice bath? Oh man, it sucked. But the truck pull, that was fun. Yeah. Okay, what do you do? Oh, you have this show. Okay, well, I have this franchise. Mm. What can we do together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know that I'm a doer. I didn't ring the bell and quit. I yeah. know you're a doer. You didn't ring the bell and quit. And it's, so when yeah. the men get together, it's like the vibration in the room goes up. Yeah. And these guys are doing business together. They're serving communities together. And that's what the Project Brotherhood is. That's so beautiful.
0: It reminds me of... Um, the there's so many tenants in today's world that we don't have that existed in the past that we believe is irrelevant, but we don't. But what happens is like we forget why society made things this way. I gave an example of like, let's say 10,000 years in the future. Someone says, why don't we have, you know, triangles for tires? Why, why you know, why do we have to have these you know circular objects? Why don't we do triangles? Sure. And they're like man these cars are not driving efficiently because they forget that they in the past that was an idea that was previously tried proven untrue and this is why we did it this way mm-hmm. manhood rituals mm. are something that we've rid ourselves of and then we're like why do we need that why do we need this why do we need this oh you know just throw it away but not realizing that these events causes bonding this trustworthiness Right? because when you when you know somebody has gone through something and has not given up its level of trust that you have yeah. which is why I love what the seals have together with mm-hmm. each other right mm-hmm. and so to me I love you, what you guys are doing with the, with the project is because there's guys you can look in the eye and and know you're not a quitter you're many things in life you're not a quitter Bingo. not only that you know that you share these same values that I have because if you were to sacrifice if you if you didn't share these values, you wouldn't have sacrificed the finances or the time to engage in this in this in this long process to get to where you are today. So to me, my belief is that whether it's a standard, whether it's a project, a man has to find his community and tribe, which will give him that level of brotherhood. Yeah. Because all the things that we're talking about all stem from men no longer living in isolation, men linking up with like-minded men, and men finding a community of excellence that pushes them to greater and greater good. And so it's such an, it's a blessing mm-hmm. to hear about all the things that you do. It's, it's an inspiration for me and I know it's inspiration for so many men all across the country.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and you nailed it when you said that those rituals that once existed that allowed men to understand that, hey, we will go to war together. We will battle together. We will take care of our tribe together. Mm-hmm. Those rituals have stopped yeah. and because of that, men do feel like an island. yeah. And you shouldn't feel like an island. You mm. shouldn't be lost. You shouldn't be confused. You shouldn't be suffering in silence with anxiety and overwhelm and depression and being unsure of your masculinity. Mm. Like we should be able to sit on the couch and have an open, like we just met. Yeah. Yet I feel like we have the same core yeah, values. Yeah, like yeah. I could work out with this guy. I could yeah. go to dinner with this guy. I bet if me and my wife and you and your wife went on a double date, like we'd hit it off. Of course. Like immediately we click, yeah. right? But if you hadn't pushed yourself through all these things, if you didn't keep your body up, your mind up, if you didn't keep your finances up, if you didn't have a greater expectation of yourself that I'm meant to serve humanity and we met, I'd be like, oh, he's a a, a good guy, but... I don't think I'm going to be hanging out with him. Mm. But instead I immediately jive with you because the core values that we share. Mm. And that is a ritual. All men must expect. That's why people have played sports. In fact, there's a term you've heard of this term. Blood is thicker than water. 100. 10%. It's taken out of context. Mm. The proper term is the covenant of the blood is thicker than the water of the womb. Mm. Meaning when people sh- uh, 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 shed blood together, mm. that is thicker than the water of the womb. Mm. That's so How powerful good. is that? That's why when men go to battle together to yeah. war, and they come back, strange men are now tightly bonded more than they are with their own siblings yeah. because the covenant of the blood is thicker than the water of the
0: womb. That's the proper saying. Man, this is so powerful. Vedros, man, this was a, such an amazing conversation, man. I, I, I've been so blessed and encouraged by your message. I know some of men in our audience are blessed as well. Thank you. Where can they find you at? Uh, Best place to find me
1: is uh, either at my name, com, or to just follow me, bedroskulian, on Instagram.
0: I love it. I love it. And so, if you were to leave one closing message to to young men who want to be men of integrity, who want to, you know, crush it when it comes to their fitness, crush it when it comes to their finances, be, you know, a man of faith and and lead beautiful families, what would be your message to men like that? Thank you for asking that question. Uh, The message would be this that the reason you're not the man that you
1: want to be financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and anyway, is because of the story that you have told yourself and the Mm. story that you have bought, right? Mm. We talked about this earlier. The story of I'm a victim and things didn't work out for me. I've I've come from a broken family and I was molested and I was beat up and I was great. I believe we all have a a book of life. Mm. And yes, those stories probably are true. You had a shitty life. Mm -hmm. But if you take the pen back, understand there's many more blank chapters left Mm. that you can rewrite the story. You can determine how the story goes from this day forward. And if you're willing to do that, you will flip the switch and become the 2.0 version of yourself. Man, that's so beautiful. Thank you.
0: Gentlemen, you know how we get down. Please reach out to Bajros, let him know what about this podcast to send out to you guys. Man, I'm just so blessed, so encouraged, man. Take this wisdom, watch this episode multiple times, share this with almost every guy in your social circle because man, he's truly a blessing. So thank you guys so much. My name is Hafiz and I'm joined by Pedro Scullian. Thank you guys so much and have a great day.